Well, here we are, friends. And it feels, it feels like to me with the election like we've all been hunkered down somewhere for, waiting for a winter storm or a hurricane to pass through. And, and now the, the storm has passed and we're like emerging, looking around to, to see what's, what's happened. And actually, when I wrote most of this sermon, we didn't even know who won the election yet. And now we do. And like any election, someone lost Someone won. Some people are incredibly joyful. Some are incredibly relieved. Some are incredibly upset. Some are incredibly scared. We know that. We feel that. We see that on TVs, in our families, perhaps even in our church. And we need to acknowledge that and name it. When you look around, what do you see? I still see a world in desperate need of a savior and not the kind we think that we're voting on to Capitol Hill. I still see people living lonely, isolated lives, searching, longing for belonging. I still see families struggling with incredible stress. I still see people valuing winning and power and possessions above all else. I see people struggling with addictions. I see people who feel excluded, like second-class citizens. I see racism at the personal and systemic level. I see a love of violence. I see a disregard for human life. I see people wondering how they're going to pay bills. I see people who have experienced profound loss because of COVID. I see a nation incredibly divided and in need of healing, in need of actually an entire paradigm shift. But I also see a world that keeps spinning. I still see a God who is making all things new. I still see a God who promises never to leave or forsake. I see God's people gathered together to do what we were created to do this morning, and that's to worship. I see glimpses of God's kingdom breaking through of the moral universe ever so slowly bending towards justice, toward God's vision for human flourishing. I see people still trying to do good to make their communities a better place to live. I see a church family just this week praying for and rallying around one of our own undergoing brain surgery. I see all that. Maybe, uh, maybe you do too. Maybe not. Perhaps you see more or, or different. But in the midst of all of that, I hope we see one more thing. I hope we see, independent of who was elected to office, what party won nationally or locally, I hope we see the opportunity for the church to be the church. To continue to get to work. Do people, will people, in the midst of everything else that's so visible, so real right now, will they see Jesus in and through us? Many in our, in our midst and in our nation will be consumed with the question, what will happen now? 
But friends, I think the question that Jesus invites us to consider is different. Not what will happen now, but who will we be now? Who will we be in this moment? If we're going to survive this election, we're going to have to remember, regardless of the outcome and who won and who lost, that as the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to be salt and light. To be salt and light. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us so that we might live for you, bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in in Jesus' name. Amen. In this last sermon of our three-part Survivor Election Edition series, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 16. I invite you to listen for God's word. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, sometimes when you tell someone who they are, they live into it. God does that all the time throughout Scripture. And what God speaks tends to happen, right? Let there be light. And there was light. But even with people, God told Abraham that he would be a father to many nations and he became one. God told Moses he was a leader and he became one. God told Noah he was a sailor and he became one. God told Sarah she was a mother and she became one. God told Peter he was a rock and he led the church. And that's what Jesus is doing in today's scripture passage. Jesus is declaring and naming and commissioning who his followers are and will be. Jesus isn't issuing a command as much as he's declaring a reality. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I I can't help but, but wonder... If Jesus, post-election, is looking at us with all of the love of God, of a God who so loved the world, and is reminding us of this again, because we desperately need to hear it. Okay, so there was an election. Okay, it was really tense. And it has real outcomes for real people. But remember that you are on Team Jesus. And God has enlisted you to be a part of God's rescue operation, God's transformational project in the world. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt of the earth. Go be it. You are here. You are the light of the world. Go be it. Salt and and light are essential to life. They're they're, but they're both so plentiful and, and commonplace that sometimes we just take them for granted. Salt is essential for nerve and muscle function in the, in the body. It's involved with the regulation of fluids. It helps control blood pressure. Salt is, is a natural preservative. And in the days before freezers and ice and refrigerators, it kept food from spoiling. Salt is a flavor enhancer. It's not so much a flavor unto itself, but when it's incorporated with other food, it brings out the flavor 
of that food. Salt makes come alive what might otherwise seem bland and, and, and tasteless. Light is essential to life. Without light, things die. Plants can't grow. Light gives heat. Light guides people wh- where to go. Light reveals things that we would not otherwise see in the dark. In fact, we wouldn't see it all with, without light. And so we'd miss all the beauty that God creates, all the beauty we have the potential to create. Light draws people in, gives people hope. Light alerts people to something. And so both salt and light don't exist for themselves. The light enhances what it shines on. Salt enhances what it's mixed with. And so that's why I love the message translation of this passage. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Here to bring out the God flavors and the God colors of the world. How beautiful and amazing is that? Right? We, we, we desperately need some more God flavor and God color right now. There's nothing like a, a rightly seasoned dish where because of just the right amount of salt, you catch all these wonderful variations and layers of, of flavor. I married into a Cuban family, okay? And I had never really had Cuban food before. Ropa vieja, picadillo, lechon. And it really does have such a, a depth and, and richness of, of flavor, there's also, also nothing quite like standing when the sun is at a particular point on the horizon and seeing the sky just come alive with these different brushstrokes of color that even the most gifted artists couldn't duplicate. We have some great sunsets from our house here in, in Rollsville. We're on a, on a little hill, and so sometimes I take the boys upstairs to the top floor just to look out the window because the colors in the sky that the sun's fading rays bring out are just simply stunning. What would it mean for us as the church to bring out all the wonderful tastes and hues of God's presence and reign at a time such as this? Things that we can't simply elect. What would it mean for us to shine in these dark and divided times in such a way as to bring forth colors that just make people stop in their tracks and take notice? to make sure that people are tasting and seeing God flavors and God colors of unconditional love, extravagant hospitality and inclusion, mercy and kindness, justice and peace, joy and generosity, truth and beauty, faithfulness and forgiveness, reconciliation and wholeness. Things that the church is uniquely equipped and able to bring forth for the world and from the world in ways that nations and parties and leaders can't. Because for us, those things are inseparably connected to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Beyond that, beyond that, as the salt we are, might we be called to bring down our nation's collective blood pressure? Might we be called to keep things from going bad, just like salt keeps things from spoiling? Might we be called to keep this nation from spoiling, from lies, 
hatred, injustice, greed, division, to actually be a kind of social conscience, an ethical voice, no matter who is in power politically, to model in our life together that there actually is, in fact, another way to be because of Jesus. To say, not that, but this instead. To say that, whatever that that might be, is not okay. That's not the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. And then try, even imperfectly, to live that way of Jesus out. Our our call is, is not to isolate ourselves out of disgust or superiority, nor assimilate to the ways of the culture or nation right now. It is to transform To be salt, we just can't behave like everybody else. And yet we exist for mixing it up with everybody else, with the world. For us to do our savory, gospel-centered task of making the world a better place, we need to be out there mixed into the world, bringing with us our distinctive flavor and identity. Beyond the light that, that brings out God colors of the world, might we be called to shine in such a way that we simultaneously alert people to God's reign in the world while also drawing people toward the light source? Might we be called to say things and do things that, that, that show people what it looks like when God is in charge, when God rules in love? Might we be called to live and, and speak and do in such a peculiarly beautiful way that people can't help but be captivated by it, curious by it, and so discover a God who loves them, who died for them, who wants them to experience abundant life. Once again, our our call is not to isolate ourselves out of disgust or superiority nor assimilate to the ways of the culture or nation right now. It is to transform. The light is not simply to allow others to see whatever they want to see, but it is for others to witness the the acts of justice and mercy that Jesus' followers do and the cause of those actions, God, the source, God. That's exactly why the church is God's idea. That's exactly why the church is God's answer to the problems of the world, not a country, party, election, or leader. We get deceived into thinking that that we just need a few more liberals or just a few more conservatives elected, depending on our political persuasion. And then things will be okay. God's agenda will be carried out. Then we'll be safe and secure, and, and life will be great. Who's in office has no bearing on the church being the church and participating in God's mission in the world? When, when God wanted to ensure that the ministry of Jesus would continue on earth, that God's redemptive work would continue to be carried out, God did not send a government. God sent a church. The mission of God does not have a country party or president. It has a church. God did not choose a president, a senator, a governor, a mayor. God chose you and you and you and you and me and millions of others as the gathered people of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit did not come upon Rome or Caesar. The Spirit came upon a small group of disciples gathered in an upper room and launched the church, a peculiar and and alternative community with the capacity to change the world with how they lived together and how they loved in the places that God planted them. It only takes a little salt 
to transform a whole dish. It only takes a, a little light to transform a dark room. But we have to stay salty and stay brightly shining. It's Jesus and our ability to see him, to live like he did, to draw people to him that makes the church truly distinctive and unique and transformational, not how we voted. Do not let this election make us lose our saltiness. Do not allow this election to hide and obscure our light underneath the bushel of political or partisan idolatry. Do, do channel the, the energy, the emotion you feel right now into being the church. What will happen now? No. Who will we be now? Salt and light. Salt transforms things. Light transforms things. We are called to make disciples and transform the world. No matter who won or lost, what we cannot afford to lose, what we cannot afford to lose is the distinct and beautiful witness of the church. We cannot afford to lose a deep concern for those marginalized and excluded from the table. We cannot afford to lose our families or our church family. We cannot afford to lose a love and action kind of love for our neighbors who are different than us. We cannot afford to lose the reflection in our own life and in the work. We cannot afford, rather, to lose in our own life and work God's love of justice and mercy. We cannot afford to lose our relationship with the truth. We cannot afford to love, to lose joy and generosity, repentance and forgiveness. We cannot afford to lose the message that we all bear, that Jesus Christ is Lord and God's kingdom is advancing. That the creator of the heavens and the earth loves all. So let's not lose it. Let's not lose it. Let's not lose our heads or our way. Let's be salt and light instead. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.